1: everyone, Timmery here from Trending with Timmery. It's so wonderful to be with all of you. I have been on the road, as many of you know, throughout the month of June, and so I've been recording interviews with some of the incredible people that I have had the opportunity to meet. And one of those individuals was actually at the Vita Institute with me this summer at Notre Dame. Her name is Beverly Duane, Duane, should I say correctly? And she has an incredible story, why her story stood out to me, and I wanna share it with you as we talk about some of the current issues going on in the culture surrounding fertility and the major decline in fertility, along with the outlook that we may see priests across this nation being pressured to break the seal of the confessional. That really weighs heavily on her own story as a revert back into the faith. But something stood out in particular to me that we'll unpack a little later. She said to me one of the very first things out of your mouth, actually, Beverly, when we met was that you wish you had more children. And this is a story of so many women today. So without further ado, Beverly is the director of dance at Hampton University and also teaches health. She's a mother of two and is married. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So we have a lot in common before we even dive too deeply. We're sitting here kind of connecting quickly. And next thing you know, I find out you dance, I dance. We both (laughs) teach Pilates, kindred spirits at heart here. Tell me a little bit before we dive in further how you got involved in dancing.
2: Oh my, Uh, I actually took my first dance class in college and actually before that I'm just reminded my first dance experience was with a Catholic nun in a Newman Center. And she invited me to do liturgical dance and I fell in love with it. And I fell so much in love with it that I was a psychology major in college. And I said, you know, I think I'll take some dance classes to really help me so when I'm doing the dance with the sister, I can do it better. <laughs> and I enjoyed it so much, and it, uh, you know, really revolutionized my world. And I said, you know, I, I, the teachers kind of liked me. They, they felt like I had some natural ability, even though I didn't have technique. And they encouraged me, and um, I ended up Taking all of their classes, and then they encouraged me to go on and get a dance degree.
1: That's incredible. So, you gained the technique, and then years later, you ended up founding your own dance company as well. Is that I did. correct? Tell us a little bit about your dance company.
2: Well, I moved to Virginia, where my husband uh, had a job in the Virginia Beach area, and I There wasn't really a dance company in that area, and it would have taken me, I would have had to drive several hours, four hours to Washington, D.C., and that just didn't seem that feasible. So somebody had mentioned, why don't you start something? There used to be something in the area, and I founded um, a modern dance company and found other people interested in doing the same thing, and just more, it became kind of like a collective. I, I organized it, directed it, found funding for it, and uh, made a pretty big impact and actually started a pretty thriving modern dance community in the Hampton Roads area um, as a result of, of that little beginning.
1: That's incredible. There's so much history there, especially in the modern dance world. I know I shared with you, I had the opportunity to take classes and on a couple occasions perform with the Lula Washington Dance Company yeah, in my so day of dancing. so
2: So neat. You know, know.
1: just bear with us as we geek out over dancing and maybe Pilates a little bit later, both having nice high microphones because you're awesome posture because you're spine (laughs) health (laughs) here. So I want to dive in. About a month ago, Beverly, there's a statistic that came out here in the United States saying that, hey, fertility for women is lower than it's ever been. In fact, we're, we've been for consecutive years below the replacement level. Replacement level is 2.1. We're at 1.7. Make of it what you want. Uh, Times Magazine pushed out. They're saying, hey, it's no big deal. People are still having two kids. It's just people are having kids later in life. Now, this is very deceptive because women's fertility has a, is like a ticking bomb. And at a certain point, You can't just have children at any point in your life. So I want to dive into your story. You grew up Catholic, if I understand correctly. Tell us how you left the faith and kind of where this tied into your marriage and journey of fertility.
2: Well, you know, I grew up Catholic. And while I was Catholic, I I did invest myself. I did enjoy it. It It was meaningful. And I... You know, I got to do really special things like work with this Catholic nun who encouraged me to use my faith in a in, in, in thing that I loved with dance. So my husband, um, you know, we didn't have children right away. And even as Catholics, I don't know if we had the catechism of the really official church that Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of promotes that we don't use birth control. So we we did use birth control, and I was very career-minded. And, um, you know, I invested in in my college, and um, at that time, too, I was pursuing a master's degree then in dance because I was so serious about it and thought I might want to teach it on the university level. So I ended up, you know, we were, we were just experimenting with other churches at that time. There was a big movement away from the Catholic Church at that time. There were a lot of really sprouting evangelical communities and non-denominational um, outfits. And it seemed like there seemed to be a liveliness. Mm-hmm. And um, things were kind of uh, just feeling very even um, in the Catholic faith. For me, um, and I at that time was not actively having children. I was very involved in my career, but I, I, I still believed in God, and I um, felt like maybe there would be even more spiritual development pursuing the Bible mm-hmm. and pursuing, um, you know, some of the charismatic circles and these charismatic churches and these churches that. You know, we're becoming mega churches, and a lot of really faithful Catholics mm-hmm. were going to. So,
1: so how did the Protestant worldview on contraception influence kind of already a career oriented mindset and this choice to delay at the time parenthood, or did you want not want to have children at all?
2: Well, like I said, as a Catholic, I didn't know um, that it was such a strong rule because most of our Catholic friends were using contraceptives. Right. That's so what you did. That is what everybody did. So um, I kind of kept my, I kept thinking, you know, yes, I definitely want children someday, (laughs) you know, but I was so fearful of pregnancy, especially Mm -hmm. being a dancer, and my body image was all intertwined with it. And I was a dancer, but I was always struggling with my weight. Um, because it was always something that was first and foremost and it and it does affect dancers when they're wearing extra weight so I I was constantly dieting many times I would only eat one meal a day to kind of stay fit and exercising a lot to try to fight you know that battle right. but um Yeah, I just in our marriage, I mean, um, thank God, when I, you know, was married, I'm very proud that I was a virgin when I did get married. And that was such a blessing. But, um, you know, during that time, I thought nothing, I did not think in any way, shape or form that this, there was anything, you know, not not obedient to Christ or even in the Bible because there's nothing about contraception in the Bible. And.
1: Right, because that's what people do. That's, I think, the mindset right. of so many people. I don't even think about in any way whatsoever the moral impact, um, the moral mindset, right, whether or not it's right or wrong. And, you know, we talk about it a lot here on Trending. For those just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timory and Beverly Duane is joining me. But a lot of people don't even think about the medical impact on women's health. And we unpack that so often here on the show, yet those are the conversations we need to have more often. So here you are, you know, you're, I'm guessing, getting into your later 20s. You've pursued a master's degree. You're working in your field of choice. It's wonderful. You left the Catholic faith. When do you end up starting to have children? What makes you decide to be open to that?
2: Well, you know, we ended up moving from um, upstate New York to Virginia Beach, where I was running the dance company. And um, as I was running the dance company, you know, I enjoyed it tremendously. It was very fulfilling. It was really a dream of mine. And we had to do so many incredible works, bringing all these guest artists. And I was teaching at the university at the time, but. My husband was really the person who said, you know, we I I really want children. Mm-hmm. And we ended up kind of debating it. And I was thinking, <laughs> wow, well, you know, we can we can push that off, you know, right. and but he really did talk me into like, you know, that this is an important part of our our relationship and and this is something that we should do. And um I was in circles where the Protestant circles they procreate too mm-hmm. and they're they're, you know, the the really committed Protestants are amazing people that, you know, really love the Lord. And I think that their expression is um, to have children and enjoy family life. And so I started looking at that and and kind of realizing that this um, career of mine is meaningful, but that, you know, I could see myself, you know, as a mom, and, and that would be also pretty meaningful. But I was still grappling with so many body issues, to be honest. I, I was so afraid of, of being fat as pregnant, you know. <laughs> this is pretty interesting. I, I, I'm not even, I really didn't think about it until you asked the question.
1: But, <laughs> but it's legitimate, and yeah. I think that that's something we kind of need to validate because the reality is, is when you have children, your body changes, and it changes forever forever some women's bodies recover really well others don't some women are physically active others aren't I mean every pregnancy is so different in the recovery and so I I understand where you're coming from from a dancer's perspective as well but you've I'm sure you've also seen models at that time of women who were dancers who were getting pregnant and getting back into dancing as well that's become more I did yeah Yeah. however I would say yeah
2: but a lot of the people that I knew were kind of ectomorphs who were getting back into it so they would lose their weight right away they loved pregnancy and all this but (laughs) you know you're reminding me of something else when I as a woman I went through a lot of emotional changes with um, having menstrual cycles and I was pretty actually regular with them and but it was always you know the the yo-yo emotions that go along with the hormonal changes during all that. During
1: using hormonal birth control as well. Well, I wasn't
2: doing that. Okay. Thank God. I I'm, I'm very glad, and I, I think that that helped me get pregnant pretty easily when I when I wanted to, mm-hmm. but I did feel. So
1: just to clarify for those who are listening, I'm assuming you're using barrier type. Yes, method. something okay. barrier.
2: Mm-hmm. So, but I was, it's it's really weird. I had this kind of strange. Um, fear of flying in airplanes and you're going to wonder how this relates but it does. (laughs) I had this literal like I I had this feeling like I was going to die in an airplane. I I know I watched too many airplane crashes that happened in the 80s or whatever on television with a full (laughs) nine yards you know and you're just like in the middle of (laughs) America or these ones that go down in the ocean. I just kept seeing this on the news and you know that influences you but it was like I didn't have a whole lot of fears in life except for that and you know I am a pretty controlling person and they say that controlling people do not like to fly in airplanes because they're not flying the plane. God forbid if <laughs> I, I, I ever did write one but <laughs> fly understand. one. But In any case um, when I was up in airplanes flying I had this weird conviction God saying you must have children. You need to get pregnant. And I was like, uh, it, but as soon as that plane would land, I was like back to my normal self. I can't You'd get pregnant. you
1: only think that when you were up yeah. in a yeah, situation that you were and already it, afraid yeah, of. Yeah, because I was in
2: a crisis. I was in a, you know, in a panic state. And okay. I was thinking, you know, what would be the most important thing that I did right now before I died? It was weird. So, it was
1: the one thing Just that was ask. on your heart, kind of, that you wanted to do, but also maybe in a situation where you're facing a fear of yours, you're addressing it, you're living in it, and God's going, "See, you're here up in the sky. You're okay. You can also have a child." But isn't that the reality of so many young women today? They also look at the changes of their body, the changes of a career, economic, all these different situations with relationships. That's how scary for some people having a baby is, because the reality is, is flying in an airplane, thousands upon thousands of above the earth is actually a terrifying thought when you really think about it.
2: It really is. And then, you know, I think it just gets you in reality with what really counts in life. Mm-hmm. When you're in a situation where you, you think you're going to die, you have to realize, hey, you know, and, and it was not unrealistic fear. You know, we know that planes are safe for the most part in that, but it was just something that as a woman, and it could have been my emotions or it could have been, you know, just the fact that I was, um, that I didn't have children. Right. Because, you know, when you don't have children, you don't have anything to worry about except yourself.
1: Right. But you do think about having children and not having, it's a constant thought that comes up and is a reminder. There are certain things that trigger that. Exactly. You say? Yeah, that's Beverly Dwayne. For those who are just joining us, I'm Timory. You're listening to Trending with Timory. So, Beverly, what was the turning point? What finally made you open? You said your husband said, okay, it's time to have children. From there, were you willing or did it take well, a while? Well, it
2: took a little while. And I think he kind of caught me off guard. It was Christmas and I was kind of emotional. And it's so... <laughs>
1: Sentimental. You know, so,
2: and, um, you know, the first time I didn't use contraception, I uh, got pregnant. So... I And I had mixed feelings. Mm. I actually did. And uh, I was very sick. Mm -hmm. I had uh, hyperemesis, which is a condition uh, that women get. Um, And I think, quite honestly, that maybe that condition was exasperated by the fact that I had a lot of body issues.
1: A lot of fear. So, yeah. And so, well.
2: um, and I just remember, you know, my mother not liking pregnancy, even mm-hmm. though she had five children. And um, I, I kind of remember um, her last pregnancy with my younger brother. She was quite sick. And I, of course, inherited that gene or whatever. Yeah. And so it was, I was wretched. Oh, I those? just remember that <laughs> was a very difficult time.
1: For those who aren't familiar, hypermesis, my mom also had, I know a number of women, high um, high rates of being de- becoming dehydrated, among other things, constant nausea, lots of vomiting, often through yeah. all nine months of the pregnancies, not That's just sad. the first trimester. Mm-hmm. And so it's a case, it's a gene that many people do have an experience, and it is tough. It makes these pregnancies very hard. And it's a legitimate frustration for many women. I think it leads to some loving or not loving the pregnancy or, you know, the process of having a baby because there are some people, like you mentioned, that do love it. So let's dive into this body image mindset as you're going through pregnancy and then have your baby. How were you handling that at the time?
2: To be honest, it was rough, but my husband was incredibly supportive. And just love me like you know unconditionally, even though I looked in the mirror and said, "Oh my gosh, I look like a cow." I'm, <laughs> I, I just I'm never recover. You know, we just have these crazy thoughts. And you know, I was, um, you know, emotional from the sickness as well as you know. And and when I did end up, when I was able to. Eat, I did store it, so I, but I had quite a bit of gain, weight gain. I think I gained 60 pounds, which is a lot for a woman my size.
1: But you were also eating, as you said, in a very different way than you had been before?
2: Yeah. I mean, at that point, you know, I realized that I had to eat, and that was um, important. But I probably ate too much at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, okay, well, I'm not dancing anyway, you know. So, you know, it's just kind of like you, you go towards...
1: Another the lowest extreme. common. Yeah, the yeah. lowest common
2: denominator, but or whatever you that you're interesting.
1: <laughs> we have something so built up in our mind, we have this fear and so then we drop mm. a certain way of living. like you had a very healthy lifestyle in terms of exercise, but you're like, if I'm not going to exercise, I'm just going to be pregnant. Well' <laughs> heck with it. Let's yeah. throw out any healthy nutrition exercise. <laughs> exactly. And we'll just go down this path. And I think it's a pressure on us as women to remember the importance of the balance of our bodies, you know, health exercise, food nutrition. <laughs>
2: (laughs) Absolutely. It's
1: really important, especially, you know, when we're younger to develop good body image, but good habits so that we know, okay, yeah, my clothes aren't fitting as well. Okay, I need to be a little more healthier for a period of time to get back into right perspective.
2: Absolutely. But, you know, obviously, the day my son was born, Mm. all of that was forgotten, you know, in an instance, just like You know, they told me what, you know, that that everybody says, you know, when the child is born, you'll forget everything, including a a very long labor, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I was a very, very fit dancer. And I I remember my midwife saying, oh, my goodness, your muscles are so tight. (laughs) And I think it took me like, you know, two days to deliver the baby or something outrageous. But it it was worth it. I I don't remember any of that. All I remember is seeing this incredible human life, and it, that is when the reality of, you know took place. You know, I, I had an ultrasound, but even that was not enough reality. And now it looks just like a little fish in a gray bowl. It didn't have, you know, there was nothing like holding that child in my arms and realizing, this is flesh and blood. This is a human being. What my body just did is an absolute miracle, and, it, you know, this this child is an absolute miracle of God.
1: Wow. Would you say that in some ways it might have helped to restore your appreciation of your body and your body image?
2: It helped. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to—it did take me kind of a lifetime to learn how to eat properly. Mm-hmm. I, I have to admit that. I'm mm-hmm. just going to— um, and I, I actually, um, I'm going to promote, I, I later in life found an, an actual 12-step program for food and um, joined it. It's called foodaddicts.org. Food I highly dot recommend org. it. I think it's a fabulous way to live, and I, I learned how, I m- got mentored It's. some, on, on how to eat three solid meals a day, not skip meals. It, it, it's an elimination of sugar and flour for the most part, so it's a little bit strict, but it mm-hmm. it was worth it because, you know, I still live by those rules and and feel very comfortable with a body where my clothes fit, you know, for years upon years, not not just one day, and then, you, you know, you just... Right outgrowing them next and in different sizes depending on which fad diet you're on so and it, it took me a while but I did you know gain a lot through that um and so getting back to the child though um my first son Daniel Michael Duane he's um studying uh to be a oceanographer PhD at MIT right now so um I'm just You know, I I, I love him so much, and uh, ever since his birth, I just, you know, completely fell in love with him. Never thought that I could love anybody or anything more than he, he. and of course I love my husband, but (laughs) I, I think all real wives would admit that they love their children almost like, you know, Themselves to that degree, it's It's a part of you. Yeah, 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 it's a part of of you. you.
1: I love coming back to your husband for just a second. This is a reminder for so many women. When you have children within the context of marriage, and you truly do marry a man who loves you, he is going to be supportive and and helpful through some of your greatest fears. Whether it's body image, fear of pregnancy, whatever it might be, if you're truly taking the time to discern that person you're marrying then they're going to help you through some of those moments, like you said, where he was a very positive and showed that unconditional love in the midst of body image issues.
2: Absolutely. Not, not all men are like that, obviously. But, you know, when I was a little girl, I did something right. And looking back, I realized it when I reverted to the faith. I said this tiny little prayer on a prayer card, um, praying for my spouse. And I did that daily, and there's an indulgence that goes along with it. It's this very simple um, prayer to the Blessed Mother. And, you know, I kept that for my entire life, that little prayer card. Uh-huh. I never even, as a Protestant, ever referred to it. But um, when I came back to the faith, I found it, and I said, you know, my husband is a, is a lot about who I've become not who I was and who who has been so instrumental to my healing and to my just um, wholeness as a human being And, and that's where the two really do become one.
1: We'll be coming right back with Beverly Duane and we'll be talking about her reversion back into the faith and her advice to women who are having that challenge trying to decide between having a child career and marriage.
0: Timmery will be right back. Send her a Tweet at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timmery, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics.
1: back with my guest Beverly Duane we are talking about her story if you didn't catch the beginning of it she's a revert back into the faith but what we've really been talking about is fear of pregnancy the idea of um, eating disorders body image and that legitimate concern of difficult pregnancies as well and part of the reason why you delayed having children as you're pursuing your career and dancing your love for dancing which is a huge part of who you are I want to get in you've mentioned a couple of areas and that is one of them is at one point you said, I wish I didn't even have a career. You wish. You said, I wish I had 11, 12 <laughs> children. You, were, you only end up having two. Mm-hmm. Um, can you dive into telling us why you say that, especially in light <sighs> of many women who are struggling with this? I want to pursue higher level education and a career.
2: Oh, well, let me back up just a little bit. Of course. After I had my first child, I thought, this is it. I have done it. Mm-hmm. This is all I need. I was getting so much love from that child and (laughs) giving him so much love. And it took me a long time to convince myself to have another child. Or should I say that, again, it took a long time for my husband to convince me. That we should have another child.
1: <laughs> but would you So you were so proud of yourself. You loved this child unconditionally, which is awesome. But then did you, it sounds like you were kind of thinking, oh, this meets the emotional need that this I is had. It. This is it. So I've, emotionally, I've, I feel I I,
2: I I was, yeah, I was like, you know, and now I can go back to my career <laughs> and this is all I need. So it, it even took me a while to get to the point where I did have another child. I'll... Fast forward to that, um, I was getting up in in the ages, and that's when I was um, thirty seven, mm-hmm. and it was eight years after Daniel, and uh, that's when I said, "Yeah, maybe I better do this," because mm-hmm. I knew the biological t- clock was ticking, and that's when I uh, decided to have a second child. And again, as soon as I, you know, I I always. I know, was pretty fertile because as soon as I, you know, I was able to have him. Actually, wait a minute. There was a, a miscarriage in between, okay. but then right after that, and then you know, that miscarriage was a good awakening, um, which made me want to go ahead and, and get pregnant again. I was hoping I wouldn't get sick that time. I I went to vegetarianism at, in, in that time. I, I was thinking it would really help. It really didn't. Although help was I what? had I had with the hyperemesis, okay. I did have it again. But um, this time, I had some midwives that really helped and uh, gave me a very incredible diet plan, including the old-fashioned eating pickles, olives, fermented food, and, mm-hmm. and uh, carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, which I didn't know, and that kind of got me through. So mm-hmm. I was living on ramen noodles, which was <laughs> great, but it really did help with the— and, and, and I was able to have a more uh, a little bit more— wasn't perfect, but it, it, I got through it, better so was a little bit better, before. yeah, so mm-hmm. um, that helped, and then um, but I didn't think I could love another child as much as I loved my first child. Do you
1: think you were incapable or there was so much I, love for this one? You it couldn't was share like it that? was
2: yeah, this was yeah, I would never have these discussions with my husband, but we're we're already so happy, we're so you know this is perfect, and then he you know, but I didn't realize that I would have enough room or love in me you know to love another child as much as I love my first Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous it's a ridiculous idea but I think that's how inculcated a feminist and a working woman I was it was all about you know You. Me.
1: (laughs) You had no other perspective. The fact that you were proud of yourself and the love you had, he made you emotionally secure. And this is what I kind of want to tap at the attitude of so many people that the child is about fulfilling my needs, Mm. my want. You know, I've been married just a few months and it's always interesting to see women who panic because they haven't had a child within the first three months of pregnancy or of marriage. And then people who are, you know, really trying to delay because it's about emotionally what they think they're ready for and so forth. And there's a lot to, that goes into it. But someone was asking me the other day, okay, are you expecting a baby yet? You know, people are asking all the time, pro-lifers. It's funny because secular people get so offended when they hear that question asked of me. And I almost said, unfortunately, no the other day. Mm -hmm. But It's not fortunately. Unfortunately, it's like, no, it's not God's timing yet. When the time comes, it comes. And I could say unfortunately, no, because of my desire to have a child. But it's not just about my desire. You know, and sometimes I think our longing to be a parent, we justify, you know, to use artificial means, third party party Mm -hmm. reproduction of IVF. Yet we have to have that responsibility with sexuality, be kind of more a part of the conversation.
2: Right. I, I agree. And I think getting back to your original question, why I would recommend very highly that young people, you know, conceive sooner in marriage mm-hmm. and also abide by the traditional teaching of the Catholic Church um, is because of a final crises that I had in my life which was basically my um, older child, uh, Daniel, when he was a senior in, in high school got very sick and I was very scared because I, we didn't know where it was gonna go and his symptoms kind of, they, they were not good. His immune system was compromised. And so we, you know, it, it really frightened um, our, my husband and I, I did have, my younger one was, uh, I believe, five or six at that time but you know I started thinking gee this is like okay you know I I have these children but they they might not be forever and that you know there could be a loss or or something and I I started thinking about those things and realizing that um that this could be very serious it, it ended up fine but it was after a long time after a seven month kind of struggle um he did end up recovering Recovering, fine but after he left the home I had my younger one at home he was like in sixth grade I think some of the effects of um and at that point I don't I my hormones were depleted I think I was probably you know menopausal at that time but I started getting just anxiety and a lot of kind of a crisis my mom almost died in front of me and a lot of things happened to kind of make me feel like I'm just miserable there's just something that I'm just like I don't know what it is and my children you know I love them so that they're a big part of and I put put them first in my life which which thank thank you God once they were there I knew to do that instinctively but um we're jumping around from church to church, which a lot of Protestants will do, and I, I think that they need to admit that there's um so much diversity in Protestantism and you're looking for the perfect church mm-hmm. because you know, we want the perfect people to be around, we want the perfect pastor, we want the perfect preaching or the music or whatever it is. And so you know, we are doing a lot of jumping around, but, um, I, you know, through the Protestant years, there's just so much, there is not a core belief system. So a lot of things go, a lot of things fly that are really different depending on the different congregations. Right. Um, at the time, you know, I'm very convicted of things at the time that other Christians were doing that I also thought were fine. Things like yoga, um it's a whole other the,
1: conversation we've done a is. show on it you guys can check it out <laughs> yeah
2: but you know just stuff like that and I but you know at the time I didn't realize anything was really wrong all I knew is that I started having a lot more just overall depression you know I'm sure some of this was hormonal but a lot of it was psychological and what do you
1: attribute the anxiety and depression to because you were talking about it a little bit yesterday. What Off-air.
2: I, you know, at this point, I really know that it was the Lord taking me rock bottom so that He could pick me up again and plant me back in the faith. That I was supposed to be in in the first place.
1: Mm, so powerful and I can't wait to get into that so don't okay. go away because a little <laughs> later on we'll be talking about your reversion back into the faith, your first time ending up in a confessional again and what that looked like. Um, okay. But l- tell me for those women because yeah. You are not the only one. This is the story of most women who have grown up with some form of faith, who mm. have left the faith, are using some form of contraception, maybe not committing to marriage or maybe committing to marriage and pursuing a career and so forth. What would you say to these women?
2: I would say that having a child is probably the most powerful bond in the world and there is nothing like that. I would give up anything that I've done professionally to have one more child, all the publications, all the dance I've choreographed over a hundred dance I don't know even more by now, hundreds of dances. Um I've been influential as a you know educator. I've been influential in the community. Um but everything that I've done does not compare to the gift of motherhood that it is literally our lifeline it is what we are called to it was our it's our purpose Um, and when you find that out and you humbly admit that you get empowered again to realize who you are genuinely and authentically and it is a matter of obedience because You know, if I had the catechesis, I might have realized this, but I had to kind of learn it the hard way. But when I came back to the church, um, I realized a lot of these truths were more apparent.
1: Let's come right back on that.
0: listen to more of trending via the podcast on itunes or the iHeartRadio app where you can share your favorite episodes you're listening to trending with Timory.
1: we're back with beverly duane beverly you were sharing with us about the anxiety and depression you experienced over the years and for those who are just joining us please Go back, listen to the episode at radiotrending.com because you want to hear Beverly's full story to understand how she got to where she's at, choosing a career, delaying having children, choosing not to have children for a long period of time. You referred to your anxiety. And just a few moments ago, off air, you talked about your underlying anxiety ultimately had to do with your identity. And you actually said it had to do with your identity being destroyed ultimately by the lack of children that you had. Can you talk to that a little bit?
2: Yes, I think my feminist training, mm-hmm. and, and we're brainwashed is, right. and, you know, I was born in the 60s. I mean, all, our, our generation was brainwashed. We had to have careers. Gave me the sense that I had to put that before having children. And then I realized, you know, upon that second child, the love, the tremendous love that I was able again to give to another human being and receive from, from him. Mm-hmm. Was was incredible again. It was something that nobody could ever take away. It was a bond. It was something that you know. It's kind of like love. You can't put a. You can't measure it. It's immeasurable. Mm -hmm. And so I realized how much meaning these children had in my life and And
1: that's such a testament because I know a lot of women have that fear how could I love another Mm. baby the same way I love this first child am I capable am I able but when you have a human being in front of you so many women suddenly discover I could have three children I could have four children I am able yet the feminist mindset puts so much of our worth based on what we contribute to society based on our career based on our productivity essentially yet what you're saying is that your anxiety and depression, a lot of that would not be there because your underlying issue was that you had a strong call to be a mother, and you wish you lived that.
2: not just that. I even think the practical aspects of parenting for one thing, they bond a marriage. I honestly do not believe my my husband and I would be married if it wasn't for our children. Wow, I think that women and men both get bored when they don't have that commonality. Mm. I think that children are incredible vehicles for family life, for family joy, and we have so much fun in our family. We laugh, and that the kids make us laugh, and we have, you know, they're just it, there's a freedom and a joy. And um, with the boys, uh, you know, when I had my second child, I realized, you know, I really can love five seven, even 10 children. I mean, with that same love that I had for the first one, mm-hmm. you, your instinct just comes into play. And you get what we do is we become vehicles for sanctifying each other in mm-hmm. a family. Mm-hmm. Our own sanctification as Christians comes through family life.
1: Yeah. So much of my studies have been in marriage and family, in the church's teaching, and ultimately it arrives at this a marriage is so powerful. It is redemptive suffering. Marriage is Mm -hmm. meant to be a total emptying of yourself to give to the other, so much so that that giving, that mutual self-giving becomes a third, right? And then from there, you learn to love together that other child. This is the theology, right, of family life in so many ways that through our suffering, through our yes that is so difficult, we become transformed and ultimately it brought you to a a tremendous amount of joy and you came back into the catholic faith can you talk about ultimately here Mm -hmm. you are you arrive at the confessional tell us a little bit about that
2: well i got to arrive to at the confessional through desperation Mm -hmm. and it was when i was again kind of at a lower moment i did have the children but you know they were growing up i didn't have babies and um Mm -hmm. I was also just kind of fearful of losing them right. and just kind of fearful that, boy, you know, something bad again could happen. Or, But what I realized is that um, I was living also a life of, of kind of inconsistency. I was wanting to really live the Christian life fully and behave and, you know, not sin and have like kind of this ideal christian life but i was kind of miserable at it there were just a lot of things um that kept creeping up that i was kind of unhappy with myself bitterness jealousy things that we women do gossip right. you know, <laughs> stuff that it's kind oh, of none like, of
1: the ladies listening can identify with any of that know, <laughs> Yeah,
2: you know, and, it, and it's like and it's almost it's okay so, you know like we, we we justify it and you know we certainly did in our in our protestant circles and <laughs> uh, you know as often we gossip about the good stuff you know the, but it was just like i don't know kind of like i knew i wasn't really ready to die I think that was the bottom line. And I think that that gave me a certain amount of anxiety. I knew that there was something missing. I can't quite pin it down, but I was in another state of having more issues with anxiety and other things were not helping, um, like some traditional counseling and you know some medication that I was attempting to try and this type of thing. So at a very kind of uh, low moment, I desperately reached out to a—I made a phone call to a Catholic priest. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually tried to get some Protestant pastors to help me at that time, too, but um, it was a little less successful. It was around, I believe, the holidays, and it wasn't quite— Easy to get a hold of a family man as it you know was a Catholic okay. priest and I I happen uh, friends of ours were in town they had visited our church because when they go around town they look for. Uh, traditional Latin Masses, and this particular church (laughs) had a traditional Latin Mass. So So
1: brought you to find this priest when you were in this need of desperation. Yeah,
2: uh, through a bulletin that they left at the house. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So so I'm expecting to call this priest, but not really get an answer. But in any way, any case, I tried some things. I was um, just kind of in a state of really needing some spiritual advice and help. So um, I call this this priest up and he actually answered the phone (laughs) (laughs) i thought whoa that is like amazing so he um i told him that i was having some issues and uh, was wondering if he might be able to help me and he immediately offered to to come over and to pray for me and um, pray for my healing and so we we set that up and he he came over Mm -hmm. to to my house he made a house visit, which I thought was also extraordinary. I didn't expect uh, the guy to be in a full cassock (laughs) at my front door um, while I was trying to dance away some of my anxiety Mm -hmm. because dance is always kind of therapeutic for me. It is. And um, I had some Crazy Diana Ross music going with. Uh, so
1: you were literally dancing when he showed up at the front yes, door. I, was I literally love ta- it. Yep.
2: <laughs> and and I think it was like Love Child, some crazy song that was on my iPod. But he, the, he is exactly knocking at the door. I couldn't get that iPod off. I could not turn it off. It was like on this remote, but this button that would not like switch. So I come up to the door, and I'm very scared, and I bring, bring the iPod with me because I'm thinking, I, I get, you know, and it was quite loud. And I, I opened the door, and I was like, Father, I, I'm so fr- sorry I've got this iPod and this music. And he, he looked at me, and he's like, oh, he didn't know what to think. And I just said, well, thank you for coming, but i got to turn this off. Do you know how to turn this off? He said, no. So I put the iPod outside the door. Just to keep it quiet so that we could, you know, I was so worried about taking up his time. But he he came in and and talked to me. And at that point, he shared with me that maybe I was going through some of these struggles and God pulling me possibly back towards the faith. Mm -hmm. Since I I, I was very honest with him and told him about all the journeys um, that I took, uh, you know, outside of Catholicism.
1: And so did it, was it that day that you ended up going to confession with him? Or? No,
2: he, uh, he invited me to, to a confession, which I think was a very good thing. Um, he also, which I really appreciated, you know, kind of made it clear that there is a distinction between Catholicism and other Christian faiths mm-hmm. and felt like this was, uh, very critical towards, you know, my complete healing. Like he, he was pretty. Didn't um, soften this at all. He didn't make it like, oh, don't worry, you know, you were all the we're all the same.
1: Right. We have just about a minute left, so kind okay. of tell us, kind of put the bow on the last okay. elements of coming back into the faith.
2: Well, what I would say is that um, the confession was critical, and at that point. I really was very honest with him and thinking that I would not see him again I thought I'm going to do this out of desperation because even after his first visit and his prayers I didn't have a complete peace mm-hmm. and so I I wanted whatever this peace would, that I was searching for and I did go uh for a, the confession like a month later and 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 he gave me a very good examination of consciousness where you really study mm-hmm. what the sins are so there were many right. that i was um, actively doing that i had no idea one you know one was using birth control again right and at that point um in the confessional at the end i um when he absolved me and started praying these latin par- prayers i just felt a complete freedom and a complete peace an overwhelming mm-hmm. peace and just felt like a ton of bricks was had fallen off my back
1: wow beverly your story is so powerful and for those (laughs) you won't hear she wanted to talk about how so much of her anxiety and depression was able to be workable and joy came back into your life and you are at the church every single day you are an incredible advocate for these issues and for those who are interested in getting in contact with you you're actually willing to share your email address which i'll put up under your profile page at radiotrending.com thanks for being with us
2: thanks for the time
0: This has been Trending with Timmery. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes.